Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. One hundred and seventy six verses. Trust me, we're not going to get through very many today, so don't worry. We won't be here for four hours. If you read it alone, it takes about 18 minutes uh, just reading the scripture out loud. That's a a lot of reading for one chapter. So I like what one Bible, um, on some of the Bibles you might have, they have titles or or descriptions of the chapter. Someone wrote, the meditations on the excellencies of the word of God. Psalm 119 is thoroughly about the Word of God. And we'll see as we go through it that there are different terms used for the Word of God. And I'm going to go ahead and list these for you and go through them kind of fast. I got these from David Guzik. Um, the one that I was going to use from Spurgeon, it would take us a long time to go through them. So I'm going to talk about eight terms, and then we're, I won't really talk too much about that after we'll just really refer to the Word of God. So, number one would be the law. The law, its parent verb means to teach or direct. Therefore, coming from God, it means both law and revelation. It can be used of a single command or the whole body of law. Number two would be word, debar in the Hebrew, used 24 times in this chapter. The idea is of the spoken word, God's revealed word to man proceeding from his mouth and revealed by him to us. Number three, judgments. That's used 23 times in this chapter from uh, Shaphath in the Hebrew. To judge, determine, regulate, order, and discern because they judge concerning our words and works. Show the rules by which they should be regulated and cause us to discern what is right and wrong and decide accordingly. Next would be testimonies. It's used 23 times. This word is related to the word for witness. To obey his testimonies signifies loyalty to the terms of the covenant made between the Lord and Israel. Next, commandments. The word is used 22 times. This word emphasizes a straight authority of what it says, the right to give orders. Statutes. The noun is used 21 times derived from the root word engrave or inscribe. The idea is the written word of God and the authority of his written word. Declaring his authority and power of giving us laws. Two more. Stay with me. Precepts. This is a word drawn from the spear of an officer or overseer, a man who is responsible to look closely into a situation and take action. Lastly, word is used 19 times, similar to the meaning debar, yet a different term. The word, word, may denote anything God has spoken, commanded, or promised. Why do I say this? Because in, am I a little bit loud? Sorry. I don't really have control over it, but um, I'll whisper. I'll I'll talk. In, In this psalm, we are going to see the word, words, testimonies, so on and so forth. The reason why I listed that is because they aren't the same words. It's not, he's not just repeating himself over and over. He's showing the nuances as he goes through. I believe it is David who wrote this psalm. Why do I say that? If you read Psalm chapter 19, 
It's like the TikTok version of Psalm 119. It's a short version. And you'll see the same flavor, the same words used. And so also we're going to see that this person, because it doesn't give the author, has faced many struggles, many persecutions, discouragement, depression. And there's one man who is really hunted down, had many trials in his life. And you know who that is? That would be David. David had many of those. If you ever read the life of David? And then just the words he uses are similar to the Psalms that are titled as David's work. This, this uh, chapter is really to teach probably young people. It is the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So if you notice above verse 1 it says Aleph, that's letter A in Hebrew, and then Beth, and so on and so forth. Well, this is to teach probably the young, but of course any of us and all of us. And so every verse starting in 1 through 8 is, starts with the letter A. Then in 9 through uh, excuse me, 9 through 16, it starts with the letter B. And then in 17 through 24, it's Gimel. And then 25 through 32, it, it starts with the letter D. So do you see how that goes? It's like acrostic, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. However, it's more like just starting with the letters of the alphabet. So verse 1, <laughs> all that to say verse 1. Happy, or it says blessed, are the undefiled in the law, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy, the world, all of us, right, human beings, we're searching for happiness. But there's only one place where we can find true happiness. Where is that church? In God, in Jesus. So he says, blessed or happy are the undefiled in the way. The blameless, those who walk in the law of the Lord. See, it's one thing to know scriptures, but it's another thing to live your life according to the scripture. It's a totally different thing. You can know the scriptures. Even Jesus himself, right? He was after the Pharisees because they knew the law. They knew the, what the prophet said, yet they were unconverted. They were unchanged. They weren't moved by the scriptures. So you can have all the Bible knowledge in the world, yet not be in right relationship with God. And you won't have happiness. So you want to be happy today? You want to be happy tomorrow? And so on and so forth. What do you do? You read God's word and be doers of his word. It says, walk in the law of the Lord. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, there, Jesus was talking, giving a, a message, and someone shouts out, oh, ble I'll just read it instead of paraphrasing. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. And Jesus replied, more than that, blessed or happy or favored are those who hear the word of God and keep it. James echoes this. He's uh, Jesus' half-brother. He says it in James, uh, I believe it's chapter 1. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I believe that will lead us to happiness. That's what the Bible says. It's one thing to know scripture, like I said, but another thing to put it into practice. In Psalm 32, 1, it says, 
I like this, this verse. Blessed or happy is he or, or a woman whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed or happy is a man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Because of God, we find happiness. You know, he is the source of joy, of happiness. Uh, Paul says it, right, in the New Testament. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. How is that possible? In our own strength? No. By buying things? By possessions? By positions? No. How do we get happiness? It's in the Lord. It's found in the Lord. It says in the right hands is joy forevermore. Right hand of the Lord. And it's there, but we have to walk in faith. We have to trust that he'll give it to us. So, verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. You must keep his testimonies. Once again, this is another way that we can be happy. I like what he says. You must seek God or him. And notice that throughout this whole entire chapter, you're going to see him, the Lord, me, myself. It's a personal relationship with God. He says, you seek him with your whole heart. It's about having a living, personal relationship with God. And you know what? How do we get closer to God? How do we draw closer to God? By reading his word, by praying. It's very simple. He says that you must come to him with your whole heart. Is this true of you? That you're in a relationship with God, you love God. Are you still seeking God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? It's a good question. Because guess what? We get distracted. We fall into besetting sins, the book of Hebrews says. And what do we need to do? Confess our sins. Like 1 John 1, 9, the Christian bar of soap, as, as it's been said. Confess our sins. Let him purify and, and wash us up. Make us whiter than snow. And he says, and, and we are to follow God with our whole heart. Maybe you have not been following God with your whole heart as of late. Have you? It's a good question to ask yourself, right? Am I following God with my whole heart? It's a, it's a legitimate question to ask. Perfectly? No, no one could. But is your direction, is your aim for God? Maybe today you need to recommit your life to Christ. Maybe today you need to get right with God. God doesn't want half your heart. He doesn't want some of your affections, some of your devotion, some of your attention. He wants it all. Is that to say, oh, you know, we're going to sit down all day and just pray and read our Bible? No, we can't. That'd be cool, though. <laughs> that's what, I believe that's what heaven's for, right? We'd be in the presence of God fully for eternity. But that would be cool if we could just sit, with God, just sit down all day and read our Bibles. You might say, oh, isn't that what Mike and you do? No. <laughs> That'd be cool. We do a lot of it, but not all day long. God wants our whole heart. Not a little bit, not some. I'll give God some, and then I'll keep the rest for what I want to do. No, give him your whole heart. Why? Because he deserves it, and he'll take good care of it. He'll eat it in the right places. So verse 3, they also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. So he's talking about saints, right? Believers in God. They do no iniquity. 
is he talking about literally they do no iniquity, they do no trespass, no sins against God? Of course, this is impossible, right? Every, it, it's, it's quite amazing. As, as I was, uh, this is a side note kind of, and I'll get back to it. As I was studying Psalm 119, I was thinking, this writer, probably David, he only has the first five books of the Old Testament, okay? First five books. And he has 176 verses to talk about those first five books and how they apply to him, how they may, they, um, there is everything he's going to say. They're, they're more than riches. They're more than, they're sweeter than honey, so on and so forth. But the first five books, and it's beautiful what is even in the first five books of the Bible. Even the first three chapters of the Bible. And so, it, it, it the Word of God is awesome, it's amazing, and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So, I'll get back to it. They also do no iniquity. This is not, no one, can, no one can live perfectly, can they? No. Thank you. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. So, this is his desire. This is what he's aiming for, right? God does expect us to be perfect, but none of us are, and that's why he said Christ, Right? We all fall short of God's glorious standards. You all do. That's what Paul says in the book of Romans. And the law is given to show us where we fall short. It's a measuring stick. You can't eat the measuring stick and grow taller. The measuring stick shows you how short you are. So, he says, They also do no iniquity, and they walk in his ways. This is our aim. This is our goal. One, someone has once said, we are not going to be sinless, but we will sin less. That's, that's the reality of being a Christian, being saved, heaven bound, is we're not going to be sinless, but we'll sin less. And there must be a forward progression. Of course, we backslide, don't we? And you say, no, I never backslide. I think you're lying. <laughs> but in reality, we should always be moving forward. Maybe it's an inch, maybe it's a mile, but we should be going forward. Sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast. But we have our whole lives to be sanctified, to be conformed into his image. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, Oh, oh that I, uh, oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's another part. Romans chapter 7, he says, sin inside of me does the sin. There's, there's, two, there's a war going on inside of me, the sin inside of me. You ever felt that strain, that struggle inside of you, the flesh and the spirit? Some, someone has put it in this way, that there's two dogs. Which one's going to win? The one you feed more. The one you feed more. He says, the sin inside of me does the sin. Perhaps is that what David is saying? Oh, it's not me who's sinning, but the sin inside of me? I don't think so. I think he's saying, here's a perfect standard. I want to live up to it, yet I can't. And that's why all the Old Testament is looking to a man to be perfect, and that's Jesus. Verse 4, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Commanded us, not optional. Not optional. You don't have a choice. It's not if you feel like it or you don't. Non-optional. It's a command. 
we are to guard, to have about us his precepts and to keep them diligently. You might ask, which of the 613 commandments are we supposed to keep? I'll tell you, you should keep the ones that Jesus said. He says, it's all summarized in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And secondly, equal to it, and in 1 John it says, this is how you know you love God, is if you love your neighbor as yourself. So which of the commandments should we keep? Keep those two. Paul says it, love is fulfilled, um, the law is fulfilled in love, in loving your neighbor. So you might say, oh my goodness, I read the book of Leviticus, or I read Deuteronomy, and there are some intense and weird things in there, or all these laws, and I don't understand it. Let me make it easy on you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it's about. Apparently, um, when John the Apostle, when he was old in age, they would carry him before he died to, uh, to the church that he was overseeing. And he would go and they would ask him, what do you want to tell us? You know, what do you want to teach us? And he would say, love your neighbor as yourself. Or he'd just say, love your neighbor, and that is sufficient. Out of, <laughs> out of all those years with Jesus and all the revelation they had, that, those were his words. Love one another, and that will be enough. <laughs> so what are we to do? Love God and love other people. And we know when we're not doing that, especially if you have the Spirit. If you have the Spirit in the Lord, you will know when you're trespassing, loving God and loving your neighbor. Verse 5. Verse 5. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Have you ever had a longing? Have you ever realized your shortcoming, your, your weakness, your no power to keep God's words? You know it's right, and yet you can't do it. Yes? No? Am I the only one? I know it's right. And it crushes me that I can't, keep, I can't keep it. I want to. I have the desire. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, that what I want to do, I don't do. And that what I don't want to do, I do. But he didn't end there. He did not end there. At the end of the chapter, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, from the bondage of sin, from the power of sin, from the dominion of sin? Who will? Is there anyone who could? Is there anyone who could free you from your sins? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Maybe today that's, that's where you stand. That's where you sit, rather. I know what to do, yet I'm not doing it. Or I know not what to do, and I'm doing it. You and yourself are not sufficient to overcome, to have power. But if you abide in me, you will produce fruit, Jesus said. That is how we overcome. Or Romans chapter 8, we are more than conquerors through him. That would be Christ. So maybe today you need to recognize your need. And you just keep going, right? It's so easy to keep going when you know you're wrong or you're just in, you're just in your, your weakness. Christ says, give me your weakness, I'll give you my strength. That's not a Bible verse, but it's, it's in there. Right? It's, it's implied. Give me your weakness and I'll give you my strength. We must confess, recognize where we fall short, ask for help. You know what that's called? That's called humility. God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. 
Say, so, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. I'll just keep going in this path. He can help you if you let him. If you let him. So, Paul says that in the New Testament. David says it, I believe, as David says this right here. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statues. Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, we have God to help us to do what he's commanded us to do. Whatever God commands us to do, he will empower us to do. Whatever. Forgive your enemies. Love your enemies. Whatever it might be. Your greatest struggles, your greatest problems, they're not hard for God. They're not. They're hard for us, <laughs> very much so, because we're limited, we're weak. Verse 6, then I would not be ashamed. If, <laughs> if my ways were kept to keep your statutes, then I would not be ashamed. Shame is associated with sin, isn't it? Remember, Adam and Eve hid themselves from God. They tried to cover themselves. Sin, and the word sin means to miss the mark. Miss the bullseye. Get 9 out of 10 instead of 10 out of 10. Get 1 out of 10. You're missing the mark. So, he says, Then I would not be ashamed. Have you come to this realization that whenever you face the greatest moments of shame, guilt, regret, deep pain have all been a result of sin? Doing the opposite of what God has said? You've done it to yourself or someone has done it to you. Guess what? It's all sin. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, I know that's pretty simple, but that makes sense. Yeah. And the greatest moments of delight and bliss and victory and gifts are all good. They're all from God. <laughs> so what are we to do? Read his word, live according to his word. It's awesome. God's word is awesome. When I look into your all, all your commandments, he's comparing his life to the commandments. And I believe we are to do that. We are to, <laughs> there's more than just love God and love your neighbor. But that's to simplify it, of course. Like I can think of one in, in the New Testament. Be anxious for nothing in all things. That should be requests being made known to God with thanksgiving and prayer. I, I jumbled that all up, but you know where that's at. And do we always, are we ever anxious? Yes. Are we always thankful? No. Those are, in a way, what God, that's God's will. That's God's command for us. So we are to see those. We are to read our Bible and, live, and, and, and ma see where, we, where we're at. <laughs> It's a mirror, the Bible tells us in James. It's a mirror to show you need to fix your hair. You need to fix your, the, you know, your eye. You need to wipe your eyes off. You need to clean your nose. Well, God says you need to check your heart. You need to let me clean that. So, <laughs> we do, we do need to judge our lives according to God's word. Verse 7, I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. God does not want words or music. God wants our hearts. It's more than emotions. It's more than 
breath coming out of us, it's our heart that he's after. Of course, we, those are the tools we use, but God is after our heart. And he wants a pure heart. He does not want an undivided heart. You know, I, I love this, and, and I know it's not of God, but I know he, he, you know he likes when I worship him. Sorry. Sorry. David says in Psalm 51, For you do not desire a sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Reality, a right heart with God. That's what God wants. He does love when we praise him. He inhabits the praises of his people, but it must be done from a pure heart. That's, that's what he's called us to. There's no way of getting around it. Are you going to be perfect on this earth? Nope. Nope. But imagine one day when we will be and what our praises will be like in our new bodies, new minds. That would be cool. With, with thousands of generations, every type of people group, all before the throne. That would be a beautiful day. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's my hope. I hope it's yours too. So, verse 8, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. I will keep your statutes. He decides. He commits himself. Have you. I will keep your word, God. First, you got to know what it is. And then you can commit. Then you can vow. Then you can, you can say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow your word. He says, do not forsake me utterly. This is the first sign of distress in these psalms, of trouble. And <laughs> there's other psalms where it says, oh, I'm, I'm abandoned, and where are you, God? And, and people are desperate. Have you ever felt that way before? I'm sure you have. You've been on this earth. Where are you, God, in this moment, in my greatest pain? He's there. He's not forsaken us utterly. The book of Job, right? He has boils and he's scraping his arms and his friends are trying to help him, but yet they're actually just making things worse. They're adding salt to the wound and they're hurting him in reality. And he's crying, where are in the world are you, God? And little did he know that God allowed this for a reason. He allowed him to be tested. Yeah, Job is my faithful servant. Go ahead, do what you want. Just don't take his life. <laughs> you, he, the devil took his kids, killed his kids, took all his property, took all his animals. Did God forsake him? Not once. Did he always feel God or sense God? No. But God never forsook him utterly. And I, I know that to be true. Jesus, um, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and dwell inside of you. He says, myself and the Father will come and dwell inside of you. He will never leave us. He can't leave us. He will never forsake us, Hebrews says. That's a good promise to hold on to in the middle of the storm. He's the anchor for our souls, the book of Hebrews says. Why do you need an anchor to hold you in place? He's the rock that we run to. Verse 9, this is the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Beth. How can a young man cleanse his way? That's a good question. How can someone cleanse his way, his path, the way that he lives? 
by taking heed according to your word. Do you need a cleansing this morning? It's a good question to ask yourself, isn't it? (laughs) I believe we need a daily cleansing. (laughs) Because we daily sin. But I believe God can transform us, can set us free from sins, especially sins, sins of impurity or sexual immorality. So he gives the answer. He asks the question, of course, how can we cleanse our ways? A young man, he says, but any person, any man or woman, young or old, the answer would be by taking heed according to your word. When Jesus was in the wilderness tested by Satan, face to face, after he had fasted 40 days, I don't know if I said that already, Satan says, turn this bread into stone. I mean, turn this stone into bread. He didn't say turn this bread into stone. But I think you got me. You you know where I'm at. And Jesus says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No, he did not say that. He didn't say, um, you shall not covet or you shall not lie. He didn't say any, any other verse except for, very specifically, man shall not live by bread alone. Two other times he was tempted by Satan, and he gives very specific responses to Satan by using the word of God. My point is, we need to know the word, and then we can use it specifically for our own situations in life, our own temptations. It's not, we should know, you know, the general ideas, the stories in the Bible, but we should read it all and seek to study and understand so that way we can combat our flesh and the enemy. That's how Jesus did it. It's a perfect example, isn't it? When you're tempted this week, you know what you should do? Use the word of God. Not just in general, like, uh, Jesus wept. Right? You're, you're struggling financially. Jesus wept. Okay, maybe that might work. But uh, your, your child is, is making a mess of life. Jesus wept. Okay, that works there. But um, I'm tempted to steal right now. Jesus wept. That's not going to work. I'm tempted to lie right now. Jesus wept. That's, only, that's one of the kids' favorite verses because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Some of the kids, it's the only, the only verse they know, it seems like. I hope that's not true for us. You need to know the word of God in order to take heed of, according to it. How can you take heed according to it if you don't know it? <laughs> so number one, we need to read our word. Then we need to be able to recall the word. Verse 11 in the same chapter says, we are to hide his word in our, in our hearts. It's not just going to be on the pages, but it's going to be part of us. In our hearts. It needs to be meaningful and valuable to us. And then we need to let it transform our hearts and minds. Did you know even after Christ has saved you, even though he has redeemed you, you still need to be renewed. You need to renew your mind. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed, listen, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ephesians 4, 20 and through 24 says this, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. There was a way in which you used to live, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in the righteousness of holiness. How do you change? How do you become transformed? Reading your word of God and allowing God to transform you through it. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces between bone and marrow. He knows exactly what to tell us. God doesn't, I can't figure out what to tell them. I don't know. This is a big mystery to me. No, he knows exactly what to tell you. But will you listen? Will you be open? Will you be receptive? receptive? That's what humility is about. Being receptive to the ways and words of God. Verse 10, as I flip there. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. With my whole heart. Once again, can you say that? Are you able to say that today? I'm seeking God with my whole heart. David gives another prayer here. He says, let me not wander from your commandments. And I love this about David. He's very honest in the Psalms. Have you ever wanted to wander from God, from his ways? If you said no, I believe you're lying. Our, our sin, our, the flesh in us wants to do opposite of what God wants. And you know what? It's not easy to wander it's usually, a, it, it's, a, it's a fade. It just happens gradually. Right, how did that person get so far? They used to love the Lord. I'll tell you how. Started wandering. Slowly but surely, they're all the way over there. They used to be with us. How does that happen? Letting yourself wander. We know when we're wandering, we need to fall on our knees confess and ask God to bring us back into the fold, bring us close to him. David knows his weakness, and you should know your own weaknesses too. And go to God for strength. Go to God for resolve. Go to God for the power to, to follow him faithfully. That's what I love about David. He's very honest. He always, always tells what he needs, and he looks to God for help. He doesn't look, when he looks within, he's a failure. But when he looks at God, he's powerful. Verse 11, we've already touched on that, that we need to hide his word in our heart. It's not a matter of just reading it. We don't want to be Pharisees. We don't want to be smarter sinners. We want to do something with the word of God. We want to let it change us, transform us. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Praise you, Lord, is what he's saying. Blessed are you, holy, reverenced. And he says, teach me your statutes. Have you ever sat in the presence, or, or maybe you've heard on your phone or computer, and you hear an amazing Bible teacher, wow, 
That just blows me away what they're talking about right now. I have those people that I listen to. I'm like, wow, I don't know how you got that, but that's awesome and it resonates as true and it's according to your word, it lines up. God has given a gift, obviously, but they're probably borrowing from other commentators and most importantly, they have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's the author of the book. Although you might have Paul, you might have David and Moses writing the book, the author behind it all is the Holy Spirit. And so don't you think he's more than able to teach us what is written down? Yes. Jesus said in John 14, 25 to 26, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Also in John 16, 13, however, when he, when he the, Holy, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell, tell you things to come. If, you're, if you ever read the, the Word of God and you're like, don't get it, this is hard, <laughs> and I believe we all have, you read the Word of God, this one makes me scratch my head right now. I don't get it. Pray. Step number one, pray. Before you, and this is what they teach you in Bible college, before you even see what other men have to say, see what God has to say, the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit first. God has given some men deep insight. Perhaps they're borrowing it from other men, but that's okay. It all comes from the Holy Spirit. And so if you ever have trouble, pray and wait. God will give you the answer eventually because it says he will lead us into all truth. And I've had situations, I've had verses in my, my heart, my mind that I just tuck away, put on the shelf. I don't know what that means. And then five, ten years later, I'm like, whoa, that is awesome. That's what that means? Either the Lord revealed it to me or someone had, was teaching and they made sense of it. You got to know this. People get discouraged, and I, and I understand. I, I once was. I, we all are in this place. I don't really understand. This is difficult. There's laws, and this is a spiritual book. Guess what? When you started algebra class, you didn't understand it all, of course. When you start anything, when you started your job, did you, you didn't have 20 years of experience. You started your job. You got to just start reading the Word. I would encourage you to read the New Testament first. Then go through the Old Testament. It'd make a lot more sense, I believe. Um, read them both at the same time. That would, that would be profitable. But you're not going to have 20 years of Bible knowledge when you're just starting off. But some people get so discouraged. I don't understand this thing. I don't understand. Number one, it's spiritual. You need to be born again. And number two, some of the sayings are difficult. Peter even says that in the New Testament. The writings of Paul, they're a little bit hard to understand. This is Peter. He was with Jesus. So, don't be discouraged. Keep reading is my encouragement to you. Don't be discouraged. And ask for help from the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher and he will teach you. Verse 13, with my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. He's remembering, he's declaring that the, what the Lord has said and done. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies 
as much in all the riches, in all riches. He's rejoicing in the word. This is his delight, he's going to say in verses, a few verses down. But he says, and more than all riches. I mean, come on, David, are you, are you serious about that? All the riches? All the riches? Yeah, I'm serious. I'm speaking for him because of this um, chapter. He said, it's as, even if I hit the lotto, your testimonies are better. Even if someone gave me millions or billions, I would choose the word of God. I got to ask you this question. Is the word of God the most valuable possession you have? Not the most expensive, but the most valuable. You see, in this world today, perhaps there are millions, but I know there's hundreds of thousands of Christians who do not even own a Bible because it is banned or because they will be killed, persecuted. And it, it, it opened up my eyes. This is not to shame anyone, to condemn anyone, but how often do you look to the Word of God? It's so easy when things are hard, when stress comes, where do you go? To something, someone, your phone, or do you go to the Word of God? Because guess what? The Word of God has the answers for all of our problems, questions, fears, joys. Is the Word of God the most valuable to you? That's a fantastic question to ask yourself today. And how do you know if it's valuable to you? You read it every day, I would say. It's not to condemn anyone, but, and maybe you don't have that. Maybe, you know what, I, if I'm being honest, it's not the most valuable to me. What I would encourage you to do is <laughs> ask God to forgive you if you're a believer. Renew the joy of your salvation. Renew the beauty of the word inside of you. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to take some work because you're, You've trained yourself for so long to do this instead of going to the Word of God. So that takes discipline. Is this the most valuable possession you have? Once again, you shouldn't just have it there sitting, but it should be read and it should be put into you. Not trying to condemn you, trying to make you think soberly. If you say, I love God, but don't touch His Word, hmm, it's interesting. Those are the words of God. It's, it, in reality, it's the mind and heart of God. That's what his word is. And of course, the acts of God. Who are we that God would be mindful of us? Not only mindful of us, but yet want to communicate with us. That's pretty, that's pretty grand if you ask me. That's impressive. Can you say the word? <laughs> I rejoice in the ways of your testimonies as much in all riches. Does this mean the world to you? I hope it does. Like I said, if you, if you need a, <laughs> to God or to revive you, pray. <laughs> pray. Verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Says again, delight. What do you take delight in? And I'm not saying you can't have fun. You can't have fun things. You can't have fun toys, right? 
Toys aren't just for children, they're for adults too. If you look at a lot of people's garages, guess what? They have big toys. Okay? So I'm not saying you can't have fun. God is not here to kill our joy. He's here to give us joy. But he knows how to get it. He knows how to give it. And he wants to tell you how to get it. And so I'm not here to say, oh, you can't, have, you can't delight in anything else. You can't enjoy a piece of chocolate. You can't enjoy romance. You can't, en- well, with your, your married you know, spouse. You can't enjoy time on the water. You can't enjoy fishing. God gave us those as gifts. But if we were to elevate them above him, guess what? It's in. That's when it goes wrong. You can repent, make it right. But he wants us to take delight in him. Right? He's our bride. He doesn't want to share us with anyone, anything else, anyone else. Do you want to share your bride with someone else? I hope not. I hope not. So you should take delight in him. I was uh, somewhere. <laughs> in verse 16, I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. Don't forget his words. Reality, we should uh, be consistently, constantly thinking about his word. Verse 17, deal bount- bountifully with your servant that they may live and keep your word. Deal bount- bountifully. The word here is to wean, wean a young child, to assist the child in their need. He says, deal bountifully bountifully or gracious with your servant. And I'm glad that the Lord does. The Lord is gracious and slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Isn't that awesome? Because if he did, guess what? We'd be all be in hell if he dealt with us con- considering our sins. But he doesn't. He gives us grace and mercy. Perhaps uh, David is in great physical danger. He says, that I may live. He's not talking about spiritual life. He's talking about physical life. That I may live and keep your word. I want to stay alive is what he's saying. There's many times in David's life where he was being hunted. So verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. That's another prayer request. When you open your word, you know what you should do before you open your word? Pray. There's a song that my wife, sometimes I sing it, that we sing to our children. Read your Bible and pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. If you don't, you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. But you need to pray before you open up your word. God, I am me, (laughs) and I need you, and I don't understand these words, and I want to make them real and applicable in my life. Help me to understand. Open my eyes. Guess what? He'll do it if we're sincere. I believe it with all my heart. He'll open our eyes to understand if we do it. In the book of Ephesians, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is that the Lord would open the eyes of their understanding, that they would be enlightened. They'd be enlightened. Even being a Christian, even having Christ in you, you still need your eyes open to understand more. The wondrous things in your laws. If the Bible is boring to you, you need a heart change. It's that simple. The Bible is not boring. I may be boring today. That's fine. Mike may be boring to some people. That's fine. But the Bible itself is not boring. It's alive. It's not boring. Have you ever read the Old Testament? It's anything but boring, except for maybe when you're reading all the list of names. But even then, there's, there's a truth there that God 
knows the individuals by name, and he knows your name individually. See, it's not boring. It's, just, it's not. It might be challenging. It might be uh, difficult at times, and I'm just not, I'm not in the mood today. I'd rather go on my phone. I'd rather whatever. Our feelings, don't follow your feelings. Lead your heart. Don't follow what you feel in the morning. I've heard this one guy say, I wake up an atheist, then after a cup of coffee, I turn into agnostic, and then finally after I read my word, I turn into a Christian. (laughs) It's a joke. (laughs) We don't always feel like it. That's the point. You don't always feel like, oh... I'm so excited. And I just, I had, my ch- children woke me up three times in the middle of the night. I don't feel like reading my Bible right now. Who cares? Lead your heart. Or, you know, things were hard. I'm exhausted. Who cares? Read your word. Oh, I don't have time to read my word. You do. I promise you, within the 24 hours of each day, you have time to read your word. You do. If your excuse is, I don't have time, you need to, you need to, be honest with yourself. You do. You do. Exchange it for TV time or me time or whatever and have God time. You do. It's just that simple. But open my eyes. Let me see the wondrous things because there are wonderful things for you if you seek. If you seek. If you look. If you knock, right? If you ask. Holy Spirit will come. But that could apply to the Word of God. You've got to be in it. It just doesn't Jump off to the page into our mind. Like, when you close the book, and you're like, I need something today. Can you give me something, God? You know, just throw those words in my head. No, you need to read your words. So, open my eyes, may I see wondrous things. I am a stranger in the earth, and do not hide your commandments from me. He's not saying he's like a pilgrim, as in wandering or traveling. He's saying, I don't fit in. And this is the reality of those of you who believe We do not fit in this world. We just don't. Jesus said to be of the world, but not in it. I like what Chuck Smith said. He says, we're like a boat. We're in the water, but the water should not be in us, in the boat. Right? And so, while we're living on this earth, we're going to feel out of place. We think differently. We have a different way of life. We should. We have a different way of talking. We have a different way of thinking. We have a different way of acting. We should. We are strangers in this place. This is not our home. Our home is heaven. We are citizens of earth, yes, of this area, but we're also citizens of heaven. And so don't forget that. And that also gives us hope that this isn't it. This is the worst it gets for us. Isn't that encouraging? I think that's encouraging. This is the worst it gets. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. Have your, has your soul ever broke, been broken? Well, look at David, what he says. God, speak to me. Bring your words. Bring your judgments. Let me think about what you've done. You rebuke the proud, the cursed who stray from your commandments. God will rebuke the proud either here on earth or in hell. Okay, you might say, why do they get away with it? They're not. Trust me. The Bible says they do. no one will get away with the sin that they've committed. Everything is naked and exposed before the eyes of God. Be encouraged that Maybe someone has done wrong to you. God, how can they get away with that? They're not. 
Don't worry. Verse 22, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. The word reproach here is disappointment or disapproval. And the word contempt is being worthless or useless. Maybe if someone's called you worthless, useless, they've been disappointing you, guess what? God can take that away. God can give meaning. God can give you a new identity. And um, I'm thankful that God is able to make uh, beauty from ashes. So, verse 23. Princes also sit and speak against me, for your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight. Princes, perhaps this is his son. I don't think so, because um, what I was reading is that this Psalm 119 was not written at one time. It was probably written over a period of years. And so, perhaps there's other princes that were against David. But, What is David's response? I'll meditate on your statutes. Meditate means to repeat, try to understand, and apply to your life. You're thinking it over. Have you ever dwelled on on something wrong that has happened to you? Well, do that with the word of God, and you'll you'll be thankful that you did. That's That's what it is, to play it over again and again and again and make sense of it with the word of God. That's, that's the way I compare it to. Um, the worship team can come back or can come to the stage. And I want to end with verse 25. It's the beginning of, of the fourth letter or the third. One of them. One, two, three, four. Fourth letter. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. David here is probably speaking spiritually, metaphorically. Perhaps it was physically, but the idea is, have you ever been crushed? Have you ever been pressed down, kicked down before, slammed to the ground by life, by people, by things? Yes, who hasn't? He's, uh, he's depressed. Depressed, and we'll see that through the other verses next time. But all the words start with D, and one of them is depressed. He recognizes his awful state even as being in good relationship with God. And this is what he prays. This is his request. Revive me according to your word. Maybe you are in a place of depression or you're stuck in your sin or you're slammed down or you feel hopeless. Guess what? God can and will, if you let him, revive you. You need to be humble. You need to recognize like David has My soul clings to dust. I am dry. I am empty. I am hurting. I am out of strength. I am out of power. Maybe some other situation in your life. Lord, revive me. And did you know that every revival, every revival in the Old Testament, New Testament, modern times, has all been associated with the Word of God? Someone once said, it was John Randall, I don't know if he borrowed it or not, but he says, no Bible, no revival. No Bible, no revival. God, make my heart, make my mind intertwine with your word. Make my relationship with you fresh. Maybe you need a fresh pouring of the Holy Spirit. need God to do a new work inside of you. I would encourage you strongly 
this morning, today, right now, in the time of worship, to talk to God about it. He knows. He's been waiting for you to say, (laughs) God, I think it's time. Come and do a new work in me. Refresh me. Revitalize me. Are you weak and heavy laden? He'll give you rest. He'll give you strength. He wants, you're his child. If you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to do. Recognize where we're at and ask for help. And guess what? He is faithful. There's never a moment where God isn't faithful. That's encouraging. We are unfaithful. We fail. But he will not. So I encourage you this morning, whatever verses might have stood out to you, pray about them, meditate on them, and allow God to transform you into his image. So let's pray together. Thank you, Father, that you are good, you are gracious, you are slow to anger, and I need a revival from you, God, and I hope that many in this room would recognize for that and ask for you to revive us as a whole. Where we've gone astray, where we haven't been living according to your word, that you would revive us, Lord. You'd give us the strength, newness of life, forgiveness of sins, so that way we can run the race. That way we can run after you, walk with you, Lord. Be your light, be your ambassadors. And I pray that you would pour out your spirit among us because that's what we need, Lord. More of you and less of us. So we lift up this time of, your, of reading your scripture and seeking to understand it. Would you give us understanding and lead us going forward? In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.org. Join us in person at the Springs in Hebron, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.